I started off with using a cheap microphone, and the sound quality wasn't too bad. So I'm not saying you have to spend a lot of money. But as you get more and more into it, and if you have the funds, invest, because it's investing in yourself, not just in the podcast, but it's investing in yourself. Hello, friend, and welcome back to another episode of Do I Need School to Be? A podcast in which me, Alex, is going to sit down with people in the creative field and I'll ask them questions about their journey, more specifically about their education, how they learned their trade, who were their mentors or who are their mentors, what books influenced them, and hopefully find some answers that will maybe guide you in your journey in the creative field. Everybody's different and we all learn in different ways. So of course, we're all going to take different paths and they're all valid. In this show, I am celebrating any type of education, whether that is formal education, whether that is self-taught, whether that is the internet, it doesn't matter. We have so many options today and I want to talk about it. So let's talk about it and let's have some fun together. My guest today, my guest today, his name is Randall and he's great. That's all I can say. No, I mean, I'm going to say more, of course. Randall is a podcaster, entrepreneur, writer, creator, travel lover who currently is in Canada. He's a pretty cool dude. We met on Clubhouse on this community of podcasters. And what I love about him is that he's always there to support other people, answer questions, share from his experience. And yeah, you're going to hear about it on the episode, but he's a really cool dude. He's all his information is in the bio if you're curious. And yeah, I'm just too excited for this conversation. I'm going to shut up now. And Welcome you to my talk with Randall. Uh, hi, Randall. How are you today? Good. How are you? I'm doing fine on this beautiful Saturday morning here. Amazing. So uh, today we're going to be talking about your podcasting career. So let's start with telling the audience who you are and what you're currently doing. Well, my name is uh, Randall McEwen, and I'm, I just launched my uh, company called podfault.ca, which is home to three podcasts that I do. Um, so I do Passports and Postcards, which is a travel podcast. Then I do Red Light Conversations. And basically what that is, it's a commentary on real life events. Um, things you would think of if you're stuck at a red light in traffic. And that one is, uh, I don't really put a lot of effort into it, but it just comes out and there are people listening to it. So I have to keep it going. And last but least, uh, something I just launched recently is Randy Rugby Podcast, which is here in Canada. We're getting two new leagues of rugby, um, and I wanted to jump on board before they launch to try to promote both leagues. And uh, so far, so that's what I've been doing. So those are the three podcasts under that umbrella of podvault.ca. I will definitely listen to the one about rugby because for the life of me, I don't understand it. I remember the first time that I watched the game, I was like, oh, no, the ambulance is here. And he's like, yeah, honestly, a game where the ambulance doesn't show up, it's a pretty boring one. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> so cool. Yeah, I can agree with that. We had uh, we have a professional team. Like, There's two versions of rugby. There's rugby league and rugby union. People get those confused. To be honest, I don't understand the sport 100%. When we first got our professional rugby union team, I contacted the team and said, look, I'm a photographer. I like to come and photo photograph the uh, games if I can. So I got press access to the field, to the players for the first inaugural season. Due to the pandemic, they're still playing. They're playing in the United States. They're not allowed to cross the border. 
So uh, they're playing out of a city called Atlanta, and I'm waiting till COVID we're under control and we can get the team back here in Toronto so I can get back to the field. So it was interesting. I was going to the games. I had something to do on the weekends. Now it's, I do my podcast, I do my editing, I do my writing. So, you know, you can't, when something ends, something new begins. So one door shuts, the new door opens. I love that. That's, that's such a great mindset to have. It's like, there's always going to be the next thing that you can get passionate about. You're, you're a passionate guy. You just find passion in everything that you do. And so you're doing three podcasts. How, how did you get into podcasting? And did you just learn as you went? And I am asking this because during the pandemic, so many people started podcasting. And well, yeah, how did you start? Well, it was very interesting because I'll be, I'll let everybody know that I'm an introvert. So I really don't like to be in the spotlight. Um, and I say that in my head, but meanwhile, when something happens, I'm the one right in the front. So I don't know how that happens. But with a podcast, um, formal education, I didn't really have formal education to do podcasts. Uh, I, I would say back in the 80s, I took radio and television broadcasting at college and graduated from that. But it really, when I graduated, there was no jobs in the industry. So I moved to a different, different stuff altogether. So for the last 40 years, I've been doing... Um, more management, more working for the government, and always being an entrepreneur. Um, I, my last, say, job was in the travel industry. I was doing that from home. And as the pandemic came and business shut down, I wanted to keep the dream of travel alive. So I'm like, what do I do? Well, I was already looking at writing, but I thought, why not podcast? You know, I have a story to tell. And what I wanted to do is the first season I spent just talking about my travels, and I've traveled 13 countries, over a 1,000 cities, so I wanted to build interest that way. But when you're starting off with something, you don't know how to do it. You know, like, you know, okay, you can find a mic somewhere, and I had a, had a few mics around here. I don't know why. I think I'm always competing with my younger brother with equipment, so I try to make sure I have something better than he has. But so I said, okay, well, how do I do this? How do I do a podcast? Well, the first thing I found out was I was using a, um, a platform called Anchor. And I was doing that for the red light conversations. That was pretty simple because I did everything on my phone. So um, whenever I parked somewhere, I'd just go into whatever the subject was of the day, uh, I would comment on it. And that was okay. And I said, well, yeah, but I want to do something about the travel. So then... Of course, having to work from home, um, not really, we were in lockdown. We were sort of still in a form of lockdown here. So I said, okay, well, let me, you go online, and nowadays we have all these YouTube, we have, you can search things online, and yeah, they can give you advice over, but when you don't have someone physically with you to help you, you're like, I got to learn this on my own. So it was like, when I go back and listen to my first podcast, and I'm going, oh, my God, that's awful. <laughs> like, why would anybody listen to it? But they do. And then I found the Clubhouse. And with Clubhouse, I found RTP. These are people that, a community that are podcasters that are been doing it for a while and started asking questions. And Mike Technique, um, looking at the equipment I had, and even though it was okay, 
because people were listening to the podcast. We've even had comments. People go, wow, your podcast got a lot better. The sound quality is a lot better. You've got music in your podcast. It's not just you talking. You're doing interviews with people from all over the world. And you learn by, like I'm the type of person I learn by doing. Um, again, if you ask my wife, I'm her IT guy because even though I don't have a certificate in, in, in computers or that field, whenever it's a technical issue, I can go, and because I've used so many computers over the years, I've gone from PC to Macs, back to PC, back to Macs, and now I have a little bit of everything. The only way I do is learning by clicking here, clicking there, trying this, trying that, and reading. So it's been very interesting in, in not getting a formal education in this. I would say I did in a way, if you look back at the radio and television, because when I took that course... We had to learn script writing. We had to learn interview techniques. We had to learn editing, but the old-fashioned way where we had reel-to-reels and we made an edit. You had to slice it, tape it. Did it sound right? Oh, I cut it at the wrong spot. So then you're cutting it again, trying to make sure it fits properly. And so now everything's electronic. So when you go in to do your edits, you're using computer. And I did not know how to use Audacity. It's like someone told me, ooh. And it's through Audacity. Well, that's fine. That's like saying, here's the keys to a car, go drive. You know, like, you got to teach me. And there was nobody there to teach me, so I had to learn on my own. So formal education, um, now I'm, I'm hoping there are courses out there will teach people how to podcast properly. And not saying there's any real, real uh, steps in how to podcast because everybody's different. You know, you might start off with music. You might start off with... Uh, I've heard one podcast where they take a piece of important information from their interview and put that at the beginning of the podcast just to lead people into the podcast. And then they might say, okay, you're listening to whatever show you're listening to and then get into the conversation or whatever they're talking about. I've adapted. I've learned to do different things in mind. I'm now using music at the beginning. I have a voiceover intro for the podcast. Then I go in and do the interview. At the end, there's a call to action tell people where they can find me, and all that is trial and error. So I always say that you really can't break a computer, well, unless you drop it or spill coffee on it, but you you got to learn to just not be afraid of trying things out. So I started off with using a cheap microphone, and the sound quality wasn't too bad. So I'm not saying you have to spend a lot of money, but as you get more and more into it, and if you have the funds, invest, because it's investing in yourself, not just in the podcast, but it's investing in yourself. And, you know, I always say I'm here to help new podcasters with questions. I don't have all the answers, but I can always help. And that's how I got here. That's so cool. That's so cool. And it's interesting because when you were talking about how you were editing in before in your during your formal education when you were editing audio I relate that to my design education that when I was during my first degree which was technical degree in graphic design we were looking at typography and they told us okay when we in the past before you had InDesign and computers and everything you would actually have you had text setters which people like set on the board the individual letters and then a paper uh, ink on top paper press that's how you made a page 
And it was the same thing. I know how to do this on InDesign, but having that experience taught me how to process it better. It's like, oh, now I know why I'm doing this. It completely liberates your mind. And But there is also a lot of being self-taught. So you, you would, would you say you are self-taught? Seth Godin says that it's give yourself to the process and let the process teach you. That's correct. You know, you do it once and listen to it, especially when it comes to podcasting. Just try it, listen to it, and you have to you have to think about what does the audience hear. Like, like when you're talking, whether it be to a person in public or on a phone, or in this particular case, you hear your voice over and over again. You don't know but you don't know. So in this case, your voice is your voice. And, and there are so many people that say, I hate my voice. I hate listening to my voice. And I'm like, they have a great voice. So what I say to them is, I think what happens is we hear it so often, we don't know how good it is. Um, I, I struggled um, with confidence at the beginning with my podcast and the sound of my voice. But then more and more, I've been in these rooms, uh, the social audio rooms, and people come to me and say, oh, you've got a great voice. And what have they spoken? Because I don't like my voice. <laughs> but again, I get a lot of compliments. So I continue on. And, and it's funny because my uh, audio teacher or my radio teacher back in college, he said this, and it really stuck with me. He says, you're too ugly for radio. And let me explain what I mean by too ugly for radio. I'm a fast talker. Well, I used to be. And I used to get excited. And all the words would run together. So to be an on-air personality, you have to be clear and precise so people can understand what you're saying. But if I talk to you really fast and say this, is like, really, I'm really excited. And people are like, what the heck did he just say? Let me play rewind and see. But again... That taught me right there that, and, and again, I'm involved in Toastmasters. That helped me as well to be able to get my message across and think before you speak and try to formulate it in your head before it comes out of your mouth. Sometimes it works the other way around. It comes out like, what did I just say? Also, you're being involved in your union and being a leader in the union, you have to get on stage and talk to the masses. So I've talked to crowds of 500 plus, and I've had to learn to slow down and let people hear what the message is. Because if I talk too fast, they're like, they're, you'd lose them. They're gone. They didn't hear the message. So I've had a lot of experiences in life that helped me get better. So if I could go back to that radio teacher and say, Am I too ugly now? <laughs> yeah, I relate to that so much. I am an extremely fast talker, especially in Spanish. And I too have to think the entire time in the back of my head, slow down, speak slow. <laughs> and I, I, I love that. So you have, so if you go to your teachers, you have that one teacher in college yes. who told who told you were too ugly for radio then yes. you have your own process trial and error that's also a, a type of a teacher you're learning from mm -hmm. them you have rtp and you have toastmasters mm -hmm. how would you say all those teachers and they're all at different points in your life would you say that their teaching styles has changed or oh. that education has evolved from then and now because they're also different mediums one was face to face the other one is through clubhouse or another audio medium 
Well, it's to talk about how education has transformed in, in my education. Like I still continue to get education. Um, I've taken extra courses, um, like I did my college in the 80s. Then in the early 2000s, I went back to college again to take business communication and also accounting. But when the pandemic came out, I also signed up for courses at Johns Hopkins University and also Imperial College of London just to understand COVID and the study of that type of disease. So education is ongoing, but what I, what I find where education has improved is the fact that they've gone from just textbooks. When I went to school, it was like they pulled out a textbook that was written by five or six scholars, we want to call them that, and it was based on their opinion. So whether you're learning history, you're learning math or science, it is their opinion, basically. I hated English because we would read books and then the teacher would say, well, what was the author thinking in that? I really don't know because the author is not here. If I could ask her, I could find out. But again, the teacher thinks she's telling us what she thinks the author is talking about because there's a story in a story or a, a lesson in the story. Nowadays, I think we need to get to exchanges. So because we're connected around the world, I have so many connections that when I get my news, I don't really get it from the news stations. I get it from people in in the place, in so you can verify what's going on there. I don't trust the news because they spin it in one direction. So when we're talking about education, education has to evolve as well. So I think you can have, and I like to see this model where you have education where you can bring people from different parts of the world together for one study, but on the online platform where they can share information between each other because we all have different perspectives. So if you're learning something and you have someone that's from, say, Africa or someone that's from Asia or someone that's from Europe, somebody from North America, South America, whatever, Australia, places like that. So if you had a mixed class like that, you're learning from different cultures, different points of view. And I think that's how education has evolved. But what I think about the teachers that I've had and how it's changed is they're more available is one thing. Because social media makes that possible. So we talked earlier about uh, RTP, which is, for those that don't know, is a uh, group, well, three guys. Three guys. But their community as well, so it's not just them. Their community as well that they built of people who know the business of podcasting. So if you have a question, you can go to these people. It's almost instantaneously you can get an answer back. Whereas when you're doing traditional school, you have to wait till you're in class to ask the teacher the question. Because the teacher's not available at 724. Not to say these guys are, but they seem to be. Because <laughs> everywhere I go, they are. And all these new social audio platforms, I go from one to one. They're in one, and I jump to another one. They're there too. So they're, they're always around. So... I think being able to have access to your mentors or your teachers and to teach in an open style where all opinions are accepted and we look at it from a different, we look at a global perspective rather than just local. I think education has evolved and it needs to evolve a little bit more. I just want to talk about one teacher that 
she said something to me, high school graduation, that set with, stuck with me forever. I was walking across the stage to get my high school diploma, and she said, and I had her for English for like five years, and she said, you will never amount to be anything. Now that was, to say that on your graduating day, as you're walking across the stage, she was presenting me with my diploma, that to me was a challenge. I think maybe in, in high school I was mediocre. I was a, more of an introvert then. I really didn't participate. I did in history because I really love history, but most other classes I just, you know, whatever the assignment is, I'll do it. Just get it done. I'm going to send it in. But I really didn't participate. And I think what her thing was is I had a problem with punctuation, grammar, and spelling. I was a great storyteller, but I put it on paper. I get my, my my report or my assignment back, and it would be 90% red circles, this, 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 this here. And I would ask her, I said, did you read the story? Did you look at the story? Not just the spelling, the grammar, and punctuation, but did you read the story? She goes, it was a great story. But you need to learn how to write and how to do proper grammar. And all that. I said, I'm a storyteller, not a writer. Now we have tools out there that will help you with your spelling, grammar, and punctuality, and I appreciate that because being an author, having your books, people want to read it and they want to make sure that the spelling is correct, and and we didn't have that back then, so it was like, uh, I, had a, I think I might have a problem learning English, speaking it, I didn't have a problem, and telling story didn't have a problem, but you know, education is involved and it needs to continue to involve. And I think teachers need to be a little cognitive of what they say to their students because it can stick with them for life, like that comment did and like the one in college did. But what I've been able to say is I stand here, well, I'm sitting right now, but you know what I mean is when I stand here, I can look back and say, that was a challenge. And I've met that challenge and I've surpassed that challenge. So if I could go back to those two teachers and say, look at me now, look at me now, I've made it. And it was because you lit a fire under me. That's impressive. It's, it, I think it takes a very particular type of strength to take a com comments like that and say, you know what, I'm, you're trying to bring me down, I'm going to flip it around on you. That's a challenge now. That's not, it's your opinion, but I'm going to take it as a ch personal challenge. That, that's incredible. I'm loving this conversation because I'm getting so much more insight into you and into why you do the things that you do the way that you do them. And it's very, very impressive. And you're totally right. I think that education has to evolve. I had an interview with an illustrator a couple of days ago, and he was saying that formal education has to match what we can get for free online. So we can get RTP. So formal education has to match that. They have to match the quality that RTP is putting out. What I love about it is that it's people who are knowledgeable in the field, but and genuinely want to give information mm -hmm. out. It's they're not asking you to give them a thousand dollars or a thousand euros for a course. They just genuinely want to help. They genuinely want to create this platform. And to give you an example of how they have helped me, when I started the podcasting journey, it was for a nonprofit, and I got this microphone from them, and it wasn't great. So I decided I I love it. I want to keep doing this. So I'm gonna get a microphone for myself, and I wanted to get. X brand. I don't want to say I don't want to say brands because I don't want to trash mm. on anybody's product. Um, and then I told them about it in a conversation. They were all like, "No, <laughs> no, 
don't get that no and i'm like why why it's like it's not good quality we have a website about it maybe i will link that in the in the show notes about why we hate that brand and we hate that mic here are three other options you can go to brandon's i'm gonna probably also link brandon's information in the bottom he has three great recommendations i followed it and i am very happy with what i got and could i have gotten that online could i get a review online yes but these are people that I trust. They have my trust. If they tell me to get this mic, I will get it, and I will trust them. And again, you know, this podcast journey, finding people that are in there, and that's the thing about it is, it's community. Is they call, you know, it's not just Roman, Tanner, and Pedro. Yes, they may have put it together, but it's everybody else in the room. So we've met so many people, and what I found is that um, social audio sometimes is difficult because. Again, we're trying to support our community, but they're in all different rooms. So you get this notice, like, they're in this room, that person's in this room, you're trying to support them. Meanwhile, we have work to do, we have our podcast to do, we have a job to do, we have time to spend with family that's, you know, they're going, oh, that's what you look like. We haven't seen you for what, since you got a clubhouse in January? Oh, you come out of your room. It's like, so it's... And, and I'm hearing that now. It's like, you know, um, now that a new social platform just sort of started the other day, yes, I've checked it out, but I'm going, this is way too much, way too much. I need to spend more time. It's here, summertime here in, in lovely Canada. The temperature is beautiful. We got my patio set up so that I can get outside. And yes, I can listen, but I'd rather be present with the people that are around me. And so a little bit less time on social audio. I hate to say it. But uh, more podcasting. I'm taking a couple months off summer for podcasting. I say that just as I say that, and I, I get another person who says, "Oh, I really want to do your show. So can I come on?" I'm like, "We can record it. I really don't want it to go on until September. That's season four. But um, yeah, I don't like what I'm doing now. Is I'm I get people ask me to come on their shows like you have. So I don't mind that. And you, Saturday morning is a good time for me because. We don't really do anything till after lunchtime, so I've got a couple of hours to go. But um, I'm up. I usually get up early because I like to get in here and uh, either I'm editing or I'm working on the next next best thing, or I'm working on myself, which is time well spent. Self care, self care. That's self-care. that's time in yourself, and that's another teacher experience that teach that teaches you that. You can't take time off to do things and that just because you're saying no right now doesn't mean you're saying no forever. It's just right. taking care of yourself and having your priorities straight. That, that's amazing. So, and now that you are an experienced podcaster, do you see yourself as a teacher or do you see yourself, like with PodVault, do you see yourself putting it one day together and if a young, and if a young spry voice came to you and said, Randall, I want you to teach me, would you do it? Would you? Well, and that's the thing I looked at because you sort of sent that ahead of time to me so I could look at it and give it some thought. And I'll take it in my whole life um, because, again, even in my work, my day, Monday to Friday job, I'm more senior than some of the people that I work with, like they're 20, mid-20s, so look at me as grandpa. But um, they come to me and they say, can you help me? You know, this is new to me. I'm not used this program. Can you help me go in? What am I supposed to be doing? And I would love to be able to do that. I'd love to be able to take them and walk them through it. But unfortunately, 
I I don't know it all. Even though I've been around a long time, I don't know it all. So I hate to steer someone wrong, but what I'd rather say to them is, look, let's come together. I can be like a mentor. Uh, we can work together. I'm here whenever you need to reach out. If I don't know the answer, I can we together, we can find someone who knows the answer so we both learn at the same time. I find myself more as a mentor in a different area. So when it came to PodVault in the creation of that company, basically what I'm saying is I even found it in, in our Clubhouse platform where there's new people coming on going, I haven't started a podcast yet. I have this great idea. I don't know what to do. And I'm off mic, I'm saying, just do it. You know, like if, if you have an idea, just do it. You don't need permission to do it. But if you struggle along the way, reach out, you know, like, yeah, I have my phone with me all the time. So there's, you know, messages coming in from whether email, text messages, Instagram messages, Facebook messages. I'm there. I may not be able to answer you this minute. As I see a lot of young people, it's like, oh, I got this email. I got to answer it right away. Well, no, I could just put down the phone for a minute. Breathe. But I'm there for people to say, look, this is the mistakes I made. Let's see if we can help you avoid that mistake and maybe avoid that step. But sometimes the best way to learn is to make those mistakes. If you make those mistakes and you go, you're listening back and go, oh, like I have a bad habit. I'll just tell you, I have one bad habit when I'm talking to a guest is I do like a, when I do the sound. And, and then when I hear it in my, in my podcast, I'm going, what the heck are you doing? Why you do that? Or, or what I'll say is, I'll be honest. I say that a lot. Like, what, are you a liar, Randy? Are you a liar? Are you just going to be honest as what minute? But it's those phrases that, you know, we have to learn to take out. It's a filler. Uh, with Toastmasters, they teach us ums and ahs to take those out of your conversation. If you don't know what you want to say, take a breath. Space, silence is golden as you move forward to the next message or point of view you're trying to get across rather than say, um, uh, I really don't know. But those things, like to be a mentor, I'd rather be a mentor than a teacher. Teacher, and I'll be what I'm going to say here is in my day job, the employer tells me, oh, you signed up for this training and this person gave it to you. Now what happens is we might have a, a person that's more advanced than me, maybe younger, but they know the subject up here. And they're trying to teach it to me here, down here. But they talk up here, so when I'm done an hour of training, I'm still as clueless as I was when I started. What I say to the employer, and as a union person, I say to the employer, if you're going to provide training, get me a certified teacher. Not someone that's doing the job. Because the person doing the job, they know their subject, yes, but they don't know how to bring it down, how to, well, use the word, dumb it down to the audience so they understand we had two people just recently retired. One was a former school teacher before she came to work in the government. So she had that ability to say, okay, here's a subject, but notify, like, look around the room. Where's my audience? My audience is a little bit. So I started the basics, talk to them at their level. Best training was from her. So, yes, we may know everything there is to do to know about podcasting. But you have to know who you're talking to. If it's someone starting brand new, bring it down. Bring it down saying, okay, 
talk about the simplest things, whether it's is your is it going to be a solo uh, podcast? Are you going to have interviews? Are you going to be going on the road as travel or restrictions lift and you can move around and have live person interviews? First, uh, identify what your subject is. So those things, we can work on those things as a mentor. But I don't have the qualifications to be a teacher. I didn't go to school to become a teacher. So for me to say I'll be your teacher, that's a lie. And I'm being honest, that would be a lie because I'm not a teacher. I can help you as a mentor because I've gone through these things, but never, ever call me a teacher. You're the first person that makes that distinction between a teacher and a mentor in the sense that some people are great at teaching and other people can speak from their experience and share their experience, but that is not necessarily teaching. And it sounds to me like you're also coming from a place not of you know the entire truth of the world and everybody should listen to you. You're coming from a place of this is my experience. This is the mistakes that I make. Let's share. I'm going to share them with you and we're going to learn together. We're going to grow together, which is what a mentor really is. It's a relationship that goes back and forth. Yes. But I, I love the distinction that you're making and how you're putting that a teacher needs to be able to teach, needs to have the training to be a great teacher. Yes. And To me, a great teacher is somebody that can not only bring a subject down to you, but also can make any subject interesting to you. Where In creative education, which is educating people on something that is not objective, like math is objective. Math, you get the result that you have to get. But then in things like art, design, writing, podcasting, these are all subjective. What is good to me might not be good to you, and what's good to the world might not be good to anybody else. So where do you see this education going? Do you think it's missing something? Do you think it's going in the right direction? Where, where do you think it will head in the future? Well, I can only talk about when I was in school and then when my daughter was in school where the key focus was on your main subjects, which was like history, geography, English, math, different maths. Um, there's a couple of things that the school is lacking, and the governments here, I don't know what it's like where you are, but I know governments here keep on cutting back on education. And I think that's where they need to invest. They need to invest in young people. I, th I think parents are responsible, and I think teachers are responsible for allowing us to be creative. I think with me in my growing up, there was a lot of um, lonely times. So what I did is I found things to be creative, whether it be, um, I wrote poetry, I did a lot of drawings, um, you know, I, I, I doodle, I call it doodling, and someone goes, oh, wow, that's amazing artwork, can you, can you just, can I have it? It's like, okay, we'll just take it. Um, but being a creative is sort of frowned upon, because it's like, oh, nobody's going to buy your artwork, nobody's going to, nobody's going to listen to your podcast, nobody's going to... You think, like those in, in music, you know, all oh, your band's never going anywhere because, you know, how many bands are out there? How many? Never, ever, ever, ever shut someone down if they have a, an idea where it comes to be creativity, whether it be a writer, a poet. I used to write a lot of poetry. Um, I would, there, there I go with that, um, you know, we talked about that earlier. Um, but when I was... Uh, Younger, I wrote a lot of poetry, and 
couple of people that I was with in high school, we, we put it in little booklets and we sold it. So we sold it for like 10 cents a copy. It really didn't, it didn't cost a lot of money back then to just print it and get it out. But, but then you take a lot of flack from the other, you know, the, the jocks. It's like, what are you guys writing poetry for? What are you, weird? No, we're creatives. I went into drawings. Um, I'm not really a good painter, although you know, when you take art in school, they got to teach you all the different aspects, whether it be oil painting, whether it be sculpting with clay, whatever. And I was only really good at drawing. So when I was doing the other stuff, I really wasn't interested, but I, I would do it because that's what I had to do. I find that there, there needs to be a, a better outlet for creatives. I think that um, communication is a big creative step, and people need to be encouraged to public speaking is important. Um, to get your message across, um, it helps in your personal relationship. It helps in your work relationship. Creativity helps release stress. And I find that when I'm drawing or if I'm doing a podcast, all the pressure seems to come off. All the daily pressures of work come off. I just, because I'm talking about something that I really enjoy. Schools need to, I like to see that when you, in school that, you know, maybe radio stations in schools. I know some colleges here have their own college radio stations, but a place for podcasters, a place for singers, performers, theater is important. I studied theater. I studied, uh, well, that was part of when I was in college, but I continued that on into later in life when I got involved in community theater and helped with set design, and I was a lighting, lighting board operator. Um, and watching all aspects of creativity coming together to make one big performance and hear the roar of the crowd at the end of that is amazing. You know, well, and now I don't know if you're familiar with the NFTs, so like these memes that people are buying. So never ever discourage someone from, you know, drawing something or painting something or singing something because you don't know where it's going to go. They could probably... It could happen where someone say, hey, I want that, and they'll pay a good price for it. So they can make more money in one sale than they can make in a whole career after studying math and science. Because like you say, with those things, there's a specific outcome. You can't, you can't say, well, 2 plus 2 equals 5, because it never does. But a painting can, to one person, they see something in that painting, someone else will look at it and see something different. That is reflective of what they th they're thinking. And I don't think we're, we're actually pushed to be thinkers anymore. Um, I think we're spoon-fed a lot of stuff, especially schools, and I don't like that. Um, I'll, I'll give an example. History class, high school, just going back in the late 70s, early 80s, we were using a textbook, and it was a, we were studying the American or the War of 1812 between Canada and the United States, British against the Americans. We're using a textbook, and in the textbook, one of the authors was the teacher's father. The teacher's father was American. So when you're reading the perspective, it's from the American point of view. Not to say that, you know, I wasn't there, I don't know. 
But because I was avid interest in history, what I would do is, in the summers, we would travel to these historic sites and I would read information. I would visit the places physically. And I would read a lot of books about history, especially about Canada. So when I started reading this textbook, the teacher's spewing out this information, saying this is the way it was, this happened. Like they're saying, Canada never went down and burned the White, White House. Well, we did. The British went down and did that. So, again, when you're getting education, you're getting spoon-fed the way they want to, or whoever the head of the curriculum is for, say, English or history. They lead the way. I think we, we're all smart enough now. We have technology, so we can always look online, and not everything online is correct. I'm not saying you're going to get all the truth online, but we have so much information at our hands that we can go and make our own decisions about things in life. So if teachers would start thinking, like, look at it globally, a point of view, rather than a local point of view, I think we can get ahead, and, and creatives will will thrive if they allow them to thrive. I, I'd rather see someone, whether being a graphic designer or whether a broadcaster or a musician, let them have that freedom to express themselves. And not to say there's no money to be made in that because money can be made, so never discourage it. That's all I can say. What a great way to end this episode. Such much, so much wisdom in there, Randall. I, I love that. It's like never discourage a creative. Well, thank you so much, Randall, for your time and this interview. It has been really wonderful. Is there something that you want to promote? Podvault, maybe? Well, I could just say with podvault.ca, it's my new website. And one of the things I, I love doing is, is promoting travel. Not really promoting it, but just keeping the idea of travel alive because... We talk to a lot of people and they say, oh, I really don't travel. When you actually talk to them, I said, well, what did you do yesterday? I said, oh, I went to the store. Where's the store? Oh, it's about four blocks away. Well, you traveled. So it doesn't matter where we go when we travel. So I try to keep the dream alive. And PodVault uh, was formed because what happened is I have three podcasts, as I mentioned earlier. And also I had the books and the travel books um, that I've written. I also wrote one uh, book for... Uh, how to use um, Anchor to create your first podcast. And that's a sort of like ebook. It's on um, Kindle. It's a Kindle book, I guess you should say, on Amazon. But I need to also, so when I started podcasting, I said, what are the podcasts doing? Well, the podcasts are talking about, well, the main podcast is about travel. I write travel books. So link the two together. So how is everything under one thing under Paul Vault? Paul Vault also is there to help young, up-and-coming podcasters, I'm here as a mentor, not as a teacher. I'm here as a mentor to help you along. We'll walk together. We'll make mistakes together. But I'm here to help. So if there's people out there listening to this that they need to reach out, I am here. My social media links are on, on the website at uh, podvault.ca. And like I said, you know, I can't travel a lot right now because of restrictions so if you need to reach out I'm usually available almost 724 but I do sleep a bit so <laughs> but yeah so that's all I'm really promoting right now the fact that it, and what I want to say to young people is don't give up on your dreams just continue pushing forward 
sometimes your family doesn't understand what you're doing. Your friends don't understand. But just keep on doing it. Don't be discouraged because I would say now, where I am right now, and some of the guests I've had on my shows that are from around the world and where my podcasts are being listened to, people or my family are saying, wow, I can't believe how far you've taken it in less than a year. Because it's been less than a year. I started June 30th. So coming up to my first year anniversary, altogether I've done over 110 episodes on three different podcasts. I've had guests from around the world. Podcasts have been heard on every continent. My message is getting out there. Keep the dream of travel alive. Travel, you'll learn. It's the best education I ever got was to travel and actually physically see these places that we saw in textbooks. And I wish I could travel more, but, you know, with this pandemic. So that's all I'm promoting is promoting is live your dream. Don't let anybody knock it down. And don't always listen to teachers because they don't always know what they're doing. Words to live by, Randall. Thank you so much for this amazing interview. And I hope we can talk soon. Well, we'll see each other on Clubhouse soon. Well, we'll see each other yes, on Clubhouse yes. soon. Thank you very much for having me. I had a great time talking with Randall. I am actually also on his podcast and I will link that episode below because it's a, it's a really fun conversation. He's a really fun person to talk to and he's not only full of knowledge, but also full of humor and everything he does just has this way of uplifting you, like make you want to do better, make you want to try new things. So yeah, pretty inspirational dude. I think you noticed from my voice during the interview that I'm very excited to talk to him. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And again, you'll find all Randall's information in the bio below. Thank you, friend, for joining me today in this wonderful conversation. Like always, I'm happy to be in your ears. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to reach out to us or leave us a review on your favorite podcasting app. And if you want to support the podcast, there are also links on how to do it in, for example, buy me a coffee. I love coffee. I'm actually needing a cup of coffee right now, but I don't have any coffee. Little insight into my stupid struggles. Um, yeah, I hope you enjoyed this episode, that you picked up something from it, and that you have a great day, and hopefully see you next week. Bye.